Welcome, everybody. This is your Thanksgiving edition of Cheers from the Press Box. I do so many shows. I always stumble on the names of the shows. It's very upsetting. Um, uh, I am your host, the Beanie Boy, uh, Joe Dorville, and I'm here with... What's up, everybody? It's Brennan Tassif. All right. And we are here to discuss some games that went on this week. And I know I have <laughs> a feeling we are going <laughs> to... Oh, that's great. Thanks for downloading and subscribing, rating, reviewing. We're here to discuss some games that went on this week. No, because I know I, I think we're going to have uh, some contention. I, I think we're going to have I can tell you're like trying to like set up the sounder and try and like to talk yeah. and host at the same time. Doing a lot. Doing I can see your lot. eyes like darting around and you're like, some games this week. I've turned into uh, Stefan Diggs in that family feud clip. <laughs> and here we go. Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Well, here we go. So I usurped Brennan, who wanted to talk about a game that's almost a week old at this point. We'll get to that next. But I thought that was the game of the week. And then you said, no, <laughs> that's not going to be the game of the week. New game it's of the week. Not the game of the week. Obviously, it was a week ago. Um, <laughs> the game of the week, in my eyes, was the game battle. Of the week. Game of the week. Uh, I don't have the enthusiasm to say game of the week that exuberantly, but I considered the game of the week Kansas City versus Las Vegas. The Raiders. The affectionately known as the Raiders. Uh, Brennan, what are your thoughts on this game that came down to a final drive? Yeah, so um, I wasn't I I was really impressed. Uh, I honestly thought Kansas City was going to come out and like clean up. With what happened um, the first time they played, obviously the Raiders won that game, put like 42 on Kansas yep. City. Um, I'm worried for Kansas City long term as far as I feel like they're the AFC favorite for the Super Bowl. But their defense just seems to I don't know. It's It seems very up and down with their defense. But I wanted to ask you, were you when Patrick Mahomes got the ball back in that final drive, were you at all? Thinking that maybe they weren't because my in my brain, I was like, oh, this game's over. Like he's going to go down the field and score. You thought the game was over. Yeah. Wow, that is shocking. No, um, uh, the thing I hate to do, but back to a conversation we had last, last week or two weeks ago. Um, whenever the Packers played the Jags, when I didn't last think week, Lutton yeah. was yeah, OK. Yeah. When I didn't think like, I'm never going to know his name. Lutton was going to go down the field. Pat Mahomes is one of those guys where if he has the ball in his hand with enough time, look, this year I've already seen Matt Stafford go down with like 16 seconds. Yeah. I've seen fucking uh, who, who else? I've seen uh, Baker Mayfield go down with just over a minute and get a touchdown. Pat Mahomes and the way that team gets chunk plays. I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to go. Yeah, so we agree on get that. a touchdown. Yeah, no, because yeah. that's I was saying, yeah, that's what no I was going to say was I, I um. 
Because to the point that you made uh, last week, which was something we were talking about, there are certain guys when they have the ball in their hand and it's the final drive, you think they're going to make that play. And we'll probably get into that a little more with Lamar a little later. But um, I know we had that discussion about, I think it was about Lamar and we were talking about uh, Green Bay and the Jaguars because I was like, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, Luton is not the kind of guy where I'm like, oh, he's going to go down the field and score. Aaron Rodgers is that guy. And I think we even referenced this, but Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate that guy. Yeah, it was weird. And the funny thing is he hasn't even done it that many times, but that's usually because they're not. down. Yeah, exactly. They're not down. But when as (laughs) soon as Kansas City got the ball back with about two minutes left on the clock, and it was like, oh, they just need a field goal to tie. I was like, in my head, I'm watching the game and I hear the announcer say that. And I go, oh, no, this game's over. Like they're yeah. going to score. And it was really interesting. This was something that they had uh, put a bunch of like stats up about talking about Darren Waller and um, Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey, because Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end in the NFL right now. And they're like, you know, Darren Waller's paid like it right behind him in all these stats. But it's like. Like Darren Waller is a great story. Um, I love it because uh, he's very open about his addiction issues. And I know we've talked about him before, but I mean, he uh, he didn't have the best game of his career, obviously. But to still, I mean, he had a <laughs> touchdown, seven catches for 88 yards. He was right there with Nelson Aguilar. I just I think the the Raiders showed that they can hang with Kansas City. Um, yes, yeah, so they that's what showed I it away. on two fronts. Yeah. They've shown it on two fronts. They showed it in um, the game where they beat them. And then last night where, I mean, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a bit of a trouncing yeah. um, because of going into the game. Uh, Kansas City, I've been talking about how the Raiders took a lap around yeah, their stadium that. and whatnot. Um, and they were feeling a little ill will. But, I mean, Derek Carr came out and proved his own as well. Uh, three TDs thrown for over 250. One pick. I'm pretty sure he'd wish he had that back. But I what mean, do you think um, the Raiders are for real? Real. What do you think about? So there's a common That's saying so- in certain circles mm-hmm. that uh, John Gruden dates quarterbacks. He never marries one. And uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, being that like he's always looking for the next best thing. He's always looking for the next best thing. And there was a lot of um, trade talks that they were going to try and move Derek Carr early in the season. And when Gruden first got there last year, what do you think John Gruden has to stick with Derek Carr at this point for the season that he's having so far? Gruden just got there last year. Yeah. Or two years ago. I'm going to say, I feel like it's been two years. In a, he did two years in Oakland. Um, uh, I know that. But it's do true. you think he. Um, People thought that I, I, people didn't think that Derek Carr was going to make it to Vegas. Um, yeah, they that's that, that was, was going to try to move yeah. on well before this. Um, and even when they got to Vegas, he signed Mariota. People thought that maybe at some point, if Derek's not playing well, he moves on to Marcus Mariota, somebody he really liked when he was doing his Gruden uh, quarterback camp um, for ESPN when he worked there, but um, I think you got to stay with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is probably, and I think the stats bear it out. Of course, eras to dictate things as well, but he's the best quarterback the Raiders have had statistically. Um, And he, he, he's, he's playing phenomenal. It's not like he's playing bad. I mean, I don't see why you would move on from him at this point. Yeah, his season so far, just real quick, he's 69.7%. So basically 70% completions, 24, a little over 2,400 yards. But this, yeah, exactly. And yeah, you and me both. But this is a big number 19 (laughs) touchdowns, but only three picks. So he's Mm. playing really well. And it's just weird because 
last season there were trade talks like going into the offseason last year there were trade talks about John Gruden's going to try and move on from Derek Carr that's not his guy he inherited him but just looking at his stats for this season it's like oh no like he's he's got to stick with him because he's got to stick with him yeah. um i mean uh, uh, uh something i said often is that um a quarterback sometimes is only as good as his weapons uh Derek Carr, what was it, last year when they got rid of Amari Cooper, you get rid of his best weapon. Of course, he's going to look less than. I don't even think that was I think that was the year before last. Yeah, it was two years ago. And that's and that's the thing, yeah. too, is Amari Cooper was one of their first round picks, which I'll get into a little later exactly. in my walk off. And then oh, the the Brennan tease, my favorite thing. Um, and 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 um, the thing towards the end of Amari's run in Oakland. Um, they were still Oakland at the time. Um, he started getting drop happy. Eventually, they moved on from Michael Crabtree. Those were the years where Derek Carr got his extension and was having an MVP caliber season until he ended up get, suffering a gruesome leg injury. So now yeah, they got Henry Ruggs, yeah. they got Waller, they got um, uh, Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar. They, <laughs> look, uh, look, I miss him now. Um, Third, yeah, third they, and Renfro. They, seen, they got Hunter Renfro. Two targets, both on third down, both completions, both for first downs. They got Renfro. They got Josh Jacobs in the backfield. They they look to be a sound team with the right players around them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Uh, Can we move on to what my game about, of the week was now? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Last thing I want to say about this game before we move on to your game of the week was I'm mad this game wasn't on Monday night. You know why? Yeah. Because we had two former Monday Night Football color analysts in this game, John Gruden and Jason Witten, who Jason ended up Witten, a late I didn't touchdown. even think about that. We <laughs> <laughs> ended up oh, getting man. a late touchdown for the Raiders. You think they did that on purpose? So, yeah. You think they're not putting them on Monday Night because of that? Nah, I mean the league would have had to <laughs> done something about that. But I thought it was funny, even though Tariko isn't there. But Tariko works for NBC, so technically he's still calling the game. He has a part in the telling of the game, um, and he was Gruden's former uh, booth mate. But um, I would, that would have been funny to have it on Monday night. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Little little serendipitous. A little serendipity. Okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. I, I know why you wanted this to be the big game. My game I, of I the week. Why want, <laughs> that's why I moved it because <laughs> it says no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell them the game. All right. So my game of the week, the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. This was Thursday Night Football last week. Normally the Thursday games are garbage, which is why we do not talk exactly. about them very often on this show. But this game was Thrilling. I know we got into the argument last week about what makes a good game. Well, hell yeah, buddy. You got it in this one. <laughs> what okay. did you think? Kyler Murray came out 42 attempts. That's what happens when you really trust your young quarterback. We'll get to a little Finns action a little bit later, but that's what oh, happens when you really trust your quarterback. For that too. 42 attempts, 29 completions, two touchdowns. Everyone knows how I feel about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. I'm jealous. Because I feel like that should be Minshew and the Jaguars in this position, not the Arizona I Cardinals. I don't know why he thinks that. My co-host <laughs> lovingly tells me all the time, <laughs> Kyler Murray was the first overall pick. Going against the early MVP candidate in Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. The thing, yes. I just real quick want to touch on this. The thing I got took away from this game that was probably one of the 
the biggest things uh, this season for the Seattle Seahawks was not DK Metcalf, was not Russell Wilson cooking, was none of that. It was the fact that at the end of the game, when they needed a stop and Seattle's defense has been garbage, Carlos Dunlap garbage. came through, sacks Kyler Who Murray, we and need ends to the apologize game. to. Who we need to apologize to because we dissed him Ooh. when he was still in Cincinnati. Carlos Dunlap, we oh, dissed yeah, him when Carlos, he was in Cincinnati. I thought you were talking about Kyler. Say, I was going to say never. <laughs> putting up his apartment for rent or whatever um, on yep. Twitter or whatnot. And then when he got traded, you said he wasn't going to be a factor because he wasn't doing anything in Cincinnati. I didn't and think he was going to be a factor. factor. Exactly. He That's was a big factor for the one play. And as I, I do apologize, Carlos. I'm sorry, and I buddy. Think you he got come the on the hit podcast. on Kyler. I think he got the hit on Kyler that uh, where Kyler ended up suffering a bit of a, a shoulder issue. Yeah, he had two sacks. So, uh, one of those was the late one, and then one of them was the one that kind of messed Kyler up. And that was the thing. Yeah. Uh, it was just weird to because I've talked about it before um, in uh, Walk Off previously, talking about the three plays that make the difference in a game. And it's like, no matter how bad their defense is, no matter how garbage they've been all year, you trade for Carlos Dunlap. He doesn't play when he first gets there. Then all of a sudden he gets into this game, and you think I thought, I can only speak for me, but I thought – you know, he's he's not playing well this season. He's, he's disgruntled. He just wants to change his scenery. And then he goes to one of the worst defenses in the NFL and makes the <laughs> biggest play on a huge stage, nationally televised primetime game and a game they were on the precipice of losing. And he stops all of it. Yeah, right in his tracks. Losing. It would have been a tie game if they ended up scoring a touchdown. But Brennan. Way to take the drama Brennan. out of it, Joe. Thank you. Brennan. You're never going to believe this. What? Carlos Dunlap, get on out here, boy. What's going get on? Get your ass out of here, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do it one time for the feast. Love those boys. Uh, yeah. so Shout out to the Crab to Feast. The next one. Shout out to the Crab Feast. Right. Fuck y'all, five stars. Um, on to the next one. All right. Let me get my cape on. Let me get my shield because <laughs> I got to come out and defend. Yeah, you Titans do. You do. versus Ravens. Let's go. Um, Before I get I, on I the defense, I will say, say, I will say, you got to shut your mouth when talking about Derrick Henry. 28 of carries, 133. Big run at the end to end the game. All down your throat. Shout out to A.J. Brown, too, who was on my fancy team last year. Big grown man touchdown. All right. Yeah, they um they really showed their physicality. I wanted to ask you, though, we've been talking about this all season, how the Ravens are a team that have to play with the lead. They need the lead in order to win the game. And they had yeah. the lead in this game. They had and the lead. What, what did you see? What did you see? Because it was 21 to 13 at the uh, going into the fourth quarter and they lost it. And the Titans came back, mm-hmm. which is not the Titans are a physical team, too, just like the Ravens. They're not a flashy bang, bang, bang kind of offense. So for them to come back. Like what did you what did you think? Defend your boy Lamar. Um, do you, before we go on, do you know why I defend Lamar so f- f- uh, fervently? The same reason why you rooted for Tiger Woods. No, I mean it has a play. <laughs> it plays into, it. but also Lamar's from uh, Pompano <laughs> Beach, Brown County. Stand up, nine five four all day. He's from the hometown. Um, okay. So yeah. Um. 
So Lamar, I mean, it's not easy to see. Lamar didn't look great in the second half. I believe the one interception he threw was in the second half while they were up. But he did throw a lot of good passes. Mark Andrews really got back into the fold this game. Um, I, I Okay, their offense, like he has said, is predictable. Um I think Hollywood Brown is was a big disappointment for them. They had high yeah, hopes for him, and I he agree. has done nothing to prove the pick that he was for them, what, a year ago? Um, th- three targets this game, no catches. He had one gruesome drop um, early on in the game. But in the second half, man, I think it came down to the fact that Calais is out. They're no- starting nose tackles out. And it, Derrick Henry was just able to then put it on them. Tannehill was able to find A.J. Brown, who was punching up uh, a soft secondary. At least if you saw that damn play where he broke through four tackles. I won't say that to any of their faces because yeah, they kicked my ass. He was he was playing but, um, grown man shit. Yeah, it, it, it came down to the defense at the end of the day, and they couldn't hold the lead. Um, it's funny, the week after I say Lamar's never lost a lead when he's up at the half. They I know that's why being up at the half. So, well, and that's the biggest thing I was mean, that he um, did, I was going to say go he ahead. did get them into field goal position to send the game into overtime. So that's a big drive. But then once they got into OT, they never touched the ball. I yeah. Think. And I mean, Derek Henry came out in a big bad way, like he always does. And I, again, I have, I played in the backfield, man. I got nothing. Name. I got nothing against the King. It's just, <laughs> It's just a thing where it's like, like we said last week, man, this Ravens team needs the, to play with the lead. They can't come back. And then they had the lead and then they couldn't keep it. And like I said, it's, they're not playing the Kansas city chiefs. They're not playing this high powered offense as much as we like the Titans offense. And as much as I talk about how much I love that kind of style of offense, you know, as well as I do, that's not like a bang, bang kind of offense. Like I said, so it's, um, they it, have they have explosive capabilities, but um, I mean when they're I think working they have at more their of best, run through you capabilities like AJ Brown showed us and Derrick Henry showed us. I don't think it's you know what I mean. The difference, in the, I think it's more power than finesse. Game, in the passing game, Tannehill is um works a lot of play action. So yeah, that saves you in them. and then throw over the top. Yeah, and that, um, that so play they have action the capability, is huge, but they just don't show it often. Yeah. But yeah, and I was wrong. The Ravens did start overtime with the ball, and then they punted. What do you um? So, yeah. What do you have moving forward? Do you have because right now the Ravens are on the outside looking into the playoff picture, and that's no, only outside, because I they were six or seventh. No, they're out now after this weekend because because oh. um, it's now uh, the the Browns now have their spot in Tennessee because uh, oh, the Colts are because they beat them out. Yeah, yeah. So it's um. Do you have the you have the Ravens making the playoffs, correct? Like I do. Um, six and four. I mean, let me look at the rest of their schedule. Well, and that's why I bring it up because the Browns are playing like the Jets, the Jags, the Giants. Like the Browns have an easy rest of the way. Um, so I and Pittsburgh so obviously is thing, dominating. The crazy thing with the Ravens this week will be interesting because they play Pittsburgh, but. I heard that they're actually having COVID outbreaks. So oh, God. let's see if that game even plays out. Um, but after that, they have – after that, they can win the rest of their games, and they're 11-5. and five. Okay. Um, 
They got the Cowboys. They got the Browns, who they already put up, what, 35? 35. Yeah, I was going to say 38, yeah. Um, they got the Jags. Sorry to do that to you. Um, but we it's can a homecoming, baby. Calais and uh, um, Yannick. Yeah. Um, they got the Giants, and then they got Cincinnati. So, yeah, those are, if not uh, 11 and 5, 10 and 6. So, yeah, they can make it. Well, this will be a huge um, game because think- they're, they're, there's not going to be three teams from the AFC North. It's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers and someone else. So, it's going to be a huge game this week and then moving forward against the Browns. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there's three teams in NFCs. Uh, AFCs. No, that's what I was going to say. AFC the North. AFC West Sorry. is too stacked. Because AFC North. Oh, it's going to be Vegas, wait. the Chiefs. And who? The Cardinals. That's the NFC. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. Never mind. I was about to Forget say, what are I you just putting said. the Chargers in there? <laughs> no, not the Chargers. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I was going to say the Chargers are not being there. Many, Who else is in the AFC West? There's too many teams. It's, uh, this always throws me off. The AFC West is Las Vegas, Kansas Vegas. City. The f- Denver. Denver's not Denver's getting in. not getting and in. The Chargers aren't getting in. The Chargers. Out of control. Yeah, the AFC North could get three in there. Yeah, they might actually get three now that we're talking about it. Yeah. It all depends. It all depends on what the Titans and well, not the, to mention uh, Buffalo and Miami in the AFC East. Buffalo, Miami. Yeah. Well, oh, and we're forgetting. That's that, Hang on, real quick. I just want to say we're forgetting the AFC oh. South. I think the three teams are coming from the AFC. Well, I thought before the three teams would come from the AFC South. Now it's probably going to be two, but we can't have two teams yeah. from every division. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You see what I'm saying? We only get two. All right, we're gonna do playoff look at re- looking up right now. Let's let's do this, and then we'll get back to the because now you got me thinking. Uh, let me pull this bad boy up. Yeah, because we're not gonna be able to. Because uh, now I need to see the standings. I'm I'm looking at it right now. So in division in the AFC, the American Football Conference, Buffalo Bills lead the AFC East with the Dolphins right behind uh-huh. them. The AFC North is Pittsburgh with Cleveland behind them. That's why Baltimore would be out. Indianapolis Colts lead the South with Tennessee right behind them. And then the AFC West is Kansas City with the Raiders right behind them. So what I'm thinking is that it's going to be Bills, Steelers, Colts, Chiefs, and then it's going to be mm-hmm. Titans, Browns, Dolphins. Titans, Browns, Raiders. Titans, Browns, Dolphins. Or no, excuse me. Titans, Browns, Raiders. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, Which puts... Well, the Raiders have a favorable closeout. It's all... It's okay. Let me see who the Brown. I'm so sorry, folks, but this happens. This this is sports nerd at its finest. Yeah. So the Browns. You you said the Browns. The Browns are at the Jaguars, at the Titans, lost. Ravens lost. At the Giants, win. At the Jets, win. Versus the Steelers, lost. So there's there's gonna lose three out of their last one, two, three, four, five, six games. They lose three. Now they're 10 and six. So, yeah, no, you might be right. It might come down. It, it's most likely going to come down to that Ravens versus Browns game. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but the Browns yeah, have to so beat the, the Steelers to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Raiders have a cakewalk through the rest of the season as well. Um, I think they get to play. Yeah, so the Raiders are at Falcons, at Jets, versus Colts, which could be a loss, versus Charger, versus Dolphins, at Broncos. Mm -hmm. So they're going to win at least four of those games. one loss in there. Yeah. Um, And then who's last? The Titans? The Titans aren't. Do the Titans still get to play you guys? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> the Titans are. Um, here, let me pull it up. Titans are at Colts Titans versus the Browns, Colts, Browns at the Jags versus the Lions. Yeah, the Titans have at least Texans, Lions, Jags, Browns. I'm all penciling those in as wins. And then the hardest games are going to be the Colts because of the Colts defense and then the Packers because of the Packers offense. Mm. But they might finish the yeah, season. So they might finish the season Cleveland 11 and five. Versus, uh, Cleveland versus. Uh, this is going to be a fun. Baltimore. This is going to be a fun way to end the season, though. There are a lot of teams in the AFC fighting for the playoffs. A lot of teams alive. And I mean, the Dolphins are technically still alive. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to the other teams. We'll yeah. to <clears throat> Packers and the Colts. Packers Colts. Um, the Colts tried to lose this game. Tried so hard too. <laughs> they tried so hard to lose this game. Um, what, I think they were up three, and then they proceeded to have three hundred holding penalties. Do I have that number correct? Yeah, I believe it was three twenty-five. But you're right there. Three twenty-five holding penalties. Okay. Um, and then they had to punt the ball to Aaron Rodgers, who's one of those guys that you think he's gonna win the game. Um, doesn't win the game, gets a field goal. They go into OT, and then calamity ensues. Yeah, I was um, really disappointed, uh, not with um, MVS, but uh, Marquise Valdis Scantling. Uh, but he dropped the ball. Uh, that was a big thing, and um, that's what led obviously to the the Colts winning the game. Yep. But I, I don't know if you saw that tweet, and I think I have it on here. No, we'll get to All it right, later. Yeah, we'll get to it later. <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, so the Colts, they pull this one out. Phillip Rivers, does he have a good game? Did you think this was a good game for Phillip? No, I think it was a Phillip Rivers game. Three touchdowns, one interception, not a very opportune time. Michael Pittman Jr. did most of the heavy lifting in this. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just... Jonathan Taylor, um, they must have listened to the podcast because they had 37 overall rushing attempts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had 22 of those. And we all thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be benched a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that because I thought he was going to be benched. So I took him out of my lineup in fantasy and put Naheem Hines, who went off last week in fantasy on my bench, and I got swapped. I mean, both those guys really didn't. I mean, if you're looking at it from a fantasy standpoint, 22 carries for 90 yards, but that's not not crazy fantasy numbers. Well, that was better than like the 6.5. Yeah. But um, it was... (laughs) I thought, honestly, Jonathan Taylor had problems putting the ball on the ground in college, um, and then he's had some problems with that in the NFL. But I I don't know. I I, I still, if this game's played 10 times, I think the Packers win at least seven of them. Uh, I think they win eight of them. Yeah, I trust the Packers more than I trust the Colts. Um, I've seen the Packers do it more. And also, um, the Colts defense, we've been touting the Colts defense this whole season, but they didn't look stellar this game. I mean, they got 31 put on them. you know, 21 and just in the second quarter. And I mean, that's what happens when you play Aaron Rodgers. He had three touchdowns. I was about to say, but wait a second. How much in the second in the second quarter? But they only gave up three in the second half. Yeah. So, I mean, when you buckle down, that kind of opened the pathway for them to eventually pull the game out of their keister. Yeah. And this is the new NFL, too, um, which is a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. This is the new NFL is. Yeah, a lot of teams are going to put up 28, 31, 42, but yeah. it, it, it's when they put those points up. So there's a flurry of points exactly. in the first half, and then they buckle down, and that's just what the NFL is now. You're not going to get very many games that are that are going to be locked down, you know, 13 to 7 kind of games. And, I mean, we even saw that in college this past weekend, which we'll get to later, but the best defense went against one of the best offenses, and guess who won? The best offense. So that's just the way it is nowadays. Um, 
I, I still think the Colts, obviously the Colts I know are going to make the playoffs. I still think they might be able to make some noise in the playoffs. Um, I don't think so. I don't think Phillip has it. In a- yeah, I, I think they might get past the first round, but I, I don't think they're going to make much more than that. Um, I still trust the Green Bay Packers. I still think they're one of the best teams in the NFC, even though they're so up and down. They have some games where they look yeah. dominant, and then they have other games where you're wondering what the hell's going on. I mean, this game was a microcosm of that yeah, exactly. as a whole. Yeah. In the first half, they looked like fucking world beaters, and in the second half, everything came crashing down. Yeah, it's twenty eight fourteen going into halftime. Then all of a sudden, the Colts just started putting it on them, and I they mean, couldn't they got score. Three in the second half, and that three is literally the ending drive. Yeah, two bring. Yeah, two bring <laughs> it to overtime. So. <laughs> I definitely trust Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers more than I trust Philip Rivers and the Colts, but I mean, we'll see what happens. All right. You know what that means? It's time for. Go, Tommy! I did no bell. One more round. It is time for one more round where me and Brendan alternate talking on games. Um, eventually, if I get my production skills up, I'll get a running clock on here. Um, so the first game I will take over, uh, New Orleans versus Atlanta, folks. Um, Atlanta's defense is Trinidad, and um, <laughs> New Orleans has a comparable defense. Uh, not comparable. They have a competitive defense. Um, and this was a Taysom Hill game. Uh, after we recorded last week, and we thought Jameis would be the starter because Jameis came in for breeze and relief at the end of the game last week. Uh Sean Payton and his worldly wisdom decided to go with Taysom Hill. Um, and let me ask you, Brendan, how, how did you think he did? Uh, I think he was serviceable. I don't think he's worth a $21 million investment over two years, but I don't, and I don't think he's the future, but I think he played well enough for them not to lose. Um, Gosh, I really like my co-host. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you can't. I was just hoping you didn't go like over the moon. Like some people did. He had a, good game no um, yeah that's not yeah he's there's a reason he's not on another team as a starter like he's a backup quarterback if he if yeah he, i don't care how much you pay him as a backup like chase daniel numbers like and he was one of breeze's backups who got stupid money but like <laughs> if if these guys feel like they can start in the nfl that's an immediate pay bump from 12 to 16 million for hit in his case which is insane already for a backup to 22 to 24 million so it's like if he felt felt like he could start somewhere or for another team felt like he could start for them, he would be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not. Everyone yeah. needs to relax. This was uh this was the first game he started since his days at BYU, I believe in 2016, and he looked like the same quarterback then. Yeah. Um not the greatest arm, he can move on the ground, gives you a rushing threat. He had a Did you see the god awful pass that he threw that the DB got faked out on like the DB was like, yep, any normal quarterback is throwing this in the end zone. And I believe Emmanuel Sanders stopped like 10 yeah. yards short and was like, this is not making Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, he's not. Um, obviously, he's not Drew Brees. Drew Brees with 11 broken ribs, I think it was. Um, I think it went up to 10 or something. Yeah, it's like 10 or 11. And you, oh, 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah 11. You have 10, 24 12, in your body. So that's that's quite a few. Um but it's weird how they're talking, like like you and I talked about before, like his timeline. Everyone's like, yeah, he should be back in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, he has 11 broken ribs. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, it went from like five yeah, to 10 At one point it 11. was, yeah, it was five, then yeah. it was eight, then it was 12. Now it's 11. Yeah. But um, they keep rediscovering new ribs, apparently. Yeah. So I think. Apparently he has a uh, barbecue pit in his backyard. Oh. I don't know what's going on. 
<laughs> Joe with the jokes. That was bad. Yeah, that was bad. Gonna, right, you know you what? might want to take that, that one so bad. back. <laughs> one more round. Brandon. All right. My game that I wanted to touch on was Dallas, Minnesota. Minnesota should have won this game. Uh, simple as that. There were some great uh, plays by the wide receivers on Wish they both did. teams in this game. I did say it uh, last week when Dallas got a lot of their defensive starters back that there's a reason, you know, I mean, Dak Prescott aside, there was a reason why a lot of people believe not only the Dallas hype train, which I hate, but, you know, they on paper were we all. Do. Yeah. And on paper, they look like a good team. You know, they had Zeke, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, not to mention some of their guys on defense. Though I everyone thought could make some noise, you know, Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. You know, Alden Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, I thought on paper they were a pretty good team. Even Sean Lee is still playing. I thought he was just coaching now, but even he's still playing. (laughs) But they came out and won. Uh, I don't think this is a game they should have won. Um, I don't know what happened with the Vikings, but Andy Dalton's back. uh, Had a pretty decent game. Three touchdowns, one pick. 22 of 32, 203 yards. So uh, I, I I hate the NFC East for what I'm about to say. Dallas at three and seven is still alive to make the playoffs. Yep. Good thing the Eagles got that tie. Yep. <laughs> One more round. So I will talk about the Chargers versus the Jets, aka the Jets. We're going to lose bowl, which is every week because the Jets started. What is, what is going that- on with these jokes of these this week? <laughs> Look, I'm All just, these dad I'm just jokes. Did something happen? Do you I'm need to tell me something? Ripping and running. Don't put that on me. I'm just ripping and running. Uh, look, this is technically my third podcast of the night. Um, so, <laughs> oh boy. Um, so, Joe Flacco went and scored a touchdown on the first drive. The defense did their job and held it down. And then Adam Gates looked at Flacco and was like, we need to lose. I don't know if you know this. So then Flacco proceeded to go throw a pick six to immediately give the Chargers the lead. And then the game never really was in doubt after that. Um, again, Anthony Lynn has some bad, weird clock management towards the end of the game. But uh, Justin Herbert looked like a phenom. Yep. Uh, maybe the haircut worked. No, I don't, don't, know. don't you ever say that. That that. I look, I don't believe it's good. It's horrible. I really want to just focus on how bad this haircut is. Um, but he got the win. He had an insanely impressive first half and they held on to win the game. So do you think um, I wanted to ask you, I know it's one more round, so we won't spend too much time on it, but I know my answer. Do you think this win kind of helps the chargers along as far as that bad juju that they have or do you think, oh, they just played the Jets, so it's the Jets? Yeah, I think they played the team with the worst juju. Okay. So. Yeah, all right. We're on the same page then. Yeah, and we all know who has the best juju. Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> One more round. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to tip your bartenders on your way out. <laughs> um, all right, my game is the Finns Broncos. I am so glad you gave me this game, and you know exactly Why? My man, Tua Tungavaloa did not have a great game. Defense did not come out and bail him out like they had the last couple of weeks. Um, Ended up getting benched. Uh, Will be the starter next week, um, according to... How did the game end? The Dolphins Dolphins, uh, lost to the Denver Broncos. How did the the game end? What do you mean? What are you asking me? 
how did it end? I didn't. What do you mean? I'm confused. Did you not? You're praising the fact that he was bent, which means someone else came into the game. Oh, my God. Okay. So Ryan Fitzpatrick came into the game, (laughs) driving down the field, uh, did what Joe, my um, co-host, constantly says he does. Throws an interception uh, to lose the game. A heartbreaking interception in the end zone that seals the deal. The time where he had the opportunity to be the hero, save the day. Come on, we know who you are. We've seen. I'm just saying they put him in because they trust him a little bit more. I don't know why they trust him a little bit more. A little bit more. Uh, I don't know. I will. I guess we can touch on it here, but we'll get into it more in the uh, quick hits portion. But we saw Joe Burrow go down playing behind a poor offensive line. I think Tua was getting hit and and, and smacked up and down. A lot of head smacks. Uh, shout out to Deacon Jones. <laughs> um, so I think they were protecting him because his offensive line was looking just as bad and I don't know how many times I heard Bradley Chubb's name uh called on this telecast. Yeah, it was I mean their uh their defense is coming together and especially I think next year once they get um once they get Von Miller back. Vaughn. Um, I wanted to bring this up, RIP to our producer, L. Greg, but he's a huge Broncos fan. <laughs> and I remember early in the season, he was talking about how Jerry, Gets me every time. Jerry Judy was dropping a lot of stuff. Just looking at his stat line, three receptions, but he had eight targets. Um, I didn't watch all this game. I watched a lot of the highlights, though, which they don't, they're not going to show drops on the highlight. But was Or the game-ending interception, apparently. Was L. Greg correct in this? Can this guy just... He was the best route runner coming out in the draft. Can he just not catch as well as some of these other guys um he's weird he's vacillating between looking very good and then very bad he's had a game over 100 yards i believe two games ago he had a good out show outlook outlook out 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 pouring what am i trying to say look i'm tired folks he had a good game last week as well but um good showing yeah no he, he just he's good show out good good showing i don't know don't Let's leave this alone. Um, he he just is inconsistent. Um, I don't know if it's Drew Locke because Drew Locke was coming into the game with an injury. But, I mean, Patrick Hamilton, Hamlin, whatever his name is, had like a buck something. Tim Patrick, they got like five names. Hamler. KJ Hamler. I yeah, I am. Um, I swear they had a Hamilton on their team. Uh, yeah. Or that's just my Deshaun Hamilton. Um, ah, okay. Thank you. I, was like, I swore they had a Hamilton. Yeah, uh, but I just... I'm just looking at this, and I know he's a rookie. I know he's had a couple different quarterbacks with injuries and everything. But career, so far this year, which is his career, 37 career, 11 games, thirty-seven <laughs> receptions on 77 targets. That seems... Yeah, they're looking for him. They're looking for him. Um, it's, also, it's also because he's been... Um, I, I, I don't know how this plays into his development and what he would have been, say... Corlin Sutton doesn't get hurt immediately and he's the number two option versus the number one option. Maybe he wasn't ready because sometimes it's not every receiver who is a number first round pick that automatically translates some guys. It takes a little time to break into that role. Um, Yeah. Maybe he's just not ready to be the number one target. Like some guys are. Um, I mean, they're not a lot of the guys from this first round um, or the second round for that matter 
have really taken that number one mantle immediately. Yeah, no, you're right. Justin Jefferson for Minnesota. He'd be the closest. Gradually got into it um, by like week four or five. Um, Henry Ruggs is a complimentary receiver to that whole core. Um, T. Higgins. Who looks like a stud. Well, you're leaving the uh, one Howie Roseman. You're leaving the one, um, the one stud out of this whole conversation. Ceedee Lamb. Who's what? Ceedee. Who's a what? Huh? Hang on. I'm keep going. What were you gonna say? <laughs> Brennan, he plays for the Cowboys. I'm never gonna give him. Clue. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were mad. I was like, <laughs> I know they drafted him like 18. Like, I'm not losing my mind. God, you scared the he shit out of me. I was like, did I just say like the wrong player's name? No. But um, yeah, two two was sacked six times in this game. Yeah, so they came after him. I feel like they're protecting. Oh, him. I meant to bring this um, up earlier. I'm sorry, you just reminded me. Go for um, it. it was in the one more round. New Orleans, Atlanta. Huge shout out. Trey Hendrickson coming out of FAU. They said he was the easiest guy to block on that defensive line. Obviously, they have Cam Jordan. He had three sacks. But my boy Trey, ow, for life, paradise. What's up? Huge shout out, 91. All right, I'm sorry. All right, that means you better have a shout out for the end. So, Oh, I have a different different shout out for the end. Good job. Speaking of FAU, let's get into the NCAA topics. Brennan. Take it away. All right, here we go. NCAA football, just um, like we've been talking about and Joe has done a couple of walk-offs about, there was a lot of postponements and cancellations again, as per usual. So I just wanted to run through some of the top 25, uh, anything crazy that happened this week. Um, Give me one second. We need a sounder for this. Yeah, we do. All right. So nothing too crazy. Uh, Alabama put 63 on Kentucky, which was a little insane. That, oh, that's what I want to talk about. The Indiana-Ohio State game. Um, Ohio State was putting it on them. It was uh, 28 to 7 going into the half. And then Indiana came back and uh, had an opportunity to actually win this game late. Uh, Ohio State was favored by 20 and a half points and only won the game by seven. So that's looking up for Indiana. They're not going to make the playoff, but it was a very good game. Uh, Florida, who gives a shit? Cincinnati stays unbeaten, <laughs> beating UCF, who's had a, 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 a close. Yeah, it was a, it was a barn burner, but it's a, it's a season from hell for UCF. They, uh, have been doing so well since their undefeated season. Um, I think they only had one loss in the last two years, and then now they're uh, five and three on the season. So not looking great for yeah, UCF. I think as soon as uh, Mackenzie Milton got hurt, um, their season kind of tanked. Yeah, I yeah, that I was like that. last year where I think it was Mackenzie Milton who, in the year after they going undefeated, um, yeah, the he quarterback ended up getting yeah. hurt. Yeah, okay. Um, I wanted to bring up Oklahoma State, best defense in college football against Oklahoma, one of the best offenses. Well, guess what happened, everybody? Oklahoma State lost 13-41. to 41. So college football, it's all about the offense. Everybody knows that. Probably one of the most intriguing games of the year, though. Um, what, what month are we in? November? Late November? Wisconsin lost. Um, it's about that time of the year. Time out. Before we go to that, did I hear you correctly? What? A Big 12 team had the best defense in the land? Yeah, Oklahoma State had, I think, the, one of the top Christ, five the defenses in the entire country. ruining sports. Uh, but don't worry, Oklahoma fucked that curve up real quick. I know, but gee, a Big 12 team was in the top five? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Now that we're talking about it, it is pretty crazy. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> I always rattle through this so quickly. Northwestern, though. 
Uh, Mike Wilbon's own alma mater, Wildcats. Northwestern Wildcats, home of Michael Wilbon and Greeny. Um, put it on Wisconsin. No, I shouldn't say put and it on. And Rachel Wiener. They uh, beat Wisconsin, though, 17-7, to which is odd because a lot of people thought Wisconsin was going to roll, given Wisconsin's only played three games so far this season, and they've had so much shit going on with the coronavirus. But yeah, happens every year in the Big Ten. Wisconsin goes in. A lot of people think they're going to do well. They start the season looking really well, and then they lose. I mean, given normally they're – Seven and zero at this point, or you know six and zero, but <laughs> they were two and they were two and zero, but then they lost to Northwestern. So that is your gotta say. Go ahead. Huge shout out to Northwestern for doing the thing that everyone needs and expects around this time: getting Wisconsin out of our lives. Yes. thank you, so thank much. you for that. Uh, I'm not even watching, but still, thank you. I just hate Wisconsin football. Sorry, Marcus. some of the. You the cancellation was Louisiana at Central Arkansas, but all the postponements, number four, Clemson, uh, Florida State, Ole Miss versus five, Texas A&M, uh, Joe Dorville's Miami Hurricanes, that game got postponed against Georgia Tech, and then number Yep, f- Manny Diaz has coronavirus. Yeah, head coach. Uh, Marshall, number 15, Marshall got postponed against Charlotte, and Texas, who gives a shit? Um <laughs> So that is the top 25 recap. I did want to point this out. FAU, my Florida Atlantic Owls continue to roll. Normally, I would talk about Joe's Miami Hurricanes, but again, they didn't play this week. Uh, we beat the University of Massachusetts, UMass, 24-2. to How they got that safety, I'll never know. We do now. <laughs> so bizarre. Uh, we are now starting the young rookie, Javon Posey. Freshman, 6'1", 195 pounds out of Greenville, Alabama, is now the starting quarterback. He takes over in lieu of um, Trash, not Trash, Tronti. Tronti, who was a former Florida quarterback, came over to FAU, has been benched for the young buck. Mm. Well, you know what that means, folks. Who's in and who's out? It is time for who's in and who's out by yours truly, the Beanie Boy. Not a lot of action today. Uh, who's in Brennan's beloved UNC coach by legendary coach Mac Brown. Every time you say in Brennan's at- <laughs> beloved, I'm always like FAU's up there, baby. <laughs> you always give me the Mac Brown garbage. Uh, in at number 25 and who is out Liberty after finding their way up to 21. They dropped out after a crushing loss to whom I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> um, also receiving votes, Brennan's beloved Florida Atlantic Owls Ooh. getting five votes, uh, just shy of about six teams back before getting in. So just stay on that path, buddy. You'll get there. Hey, we only have one loss um, this year, and it's to the 15th right team in the nation. So I'll take it. Who's up? Who's down? As Brennan said, Indiana lost. So they dropped three spots. Springing up Oregon by two points. Miami by two, who didn't play because of the virus. And Northwestern with the biggest jump going up eight spots. And who they beat, that's not right. Yeah, who they beat, Wisconsin had the biggest fall with eight. And also Oklahoma State's loss netted them a loss of seven. So that is who's in, who is out, and who's up, and who is down. Brennan. What's up, Joe? Can we talk basketball? Yes, let's do it. NBA hot stove. NBA hot stove off season. Taking the mic out of the holster for this one. Bananas. It's going out of control right now, Brennan. Um, I know there's a big move that you want to discuss. Yeah. 
Go for it. Um, since you took it out of the quick hits, I'm going to ask it. I'm going to ask that question now, too. Um, Go for it. Gordon Hayward left a team that had made the conference finals three out of the last four years to take a big money deal uh, with Charlotte. Four years, uh, 110 million, 111 million, something like that. 120. 120 million. Okay, so big, big money deal. Um, he was upset that he was the fourth option in Boston, I can only assume. Also, he's been injured um, very often the last four years. It's It's been odd. Four years or three, three years, years, excuse me. The last three years, oh, yeah. his deal was for four years, uh, but he's been injured the yeah. last three years. And I know he's recovering from that massive injury that he got um, right before, yeah. right when he got there and everything. But it's just, yeah, it was a game one of that yeah. deal. Um, but I, this led me to a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, what do you, where do you stand with this whole winning over uh, contrast? Cause we see it. Both ways. We see these guys join and make these huge super teams and take less money so they can try to win a title. And then we see guys leave very good situations to get theirs, which I understand. But if remember the Titans taught us anything, you know, I'm going to do me and I'm going to get mine is the worst attitude I've ever heard. So where do you stand on this? You really put me into a corner here. What do you um, mean? What do you, I mean, what do, you, what do you think? Okay, let me ask it this way then. What do you think about Gordon Hayward leaving one of the uh, a title, a team that's in title contention next year? They are in the East because the East isn't very good anyway. What do you think about him leaving to go join the Hornets for a shit ton of money? Um, I think I like the move. Um, okay, because what was he? contributing to Boston at this point. He had become the fourth option on a team where it's two other best players, two of its top three best players play the exact same position, do the exact same things that he does. So what was he contributing in actuality? They could have got any role player to give them those 15 points. Okay. And do you really want to be somebody on that contract Next to two guys that don't have that contract, and there's a lot of pettiness in the NBA and a lot of animosity. Yeah, you're right. Where they're probably talking cash shit, saying, We're out here scoring 25, 20, you're getting 15, and you're getting paid quadruple what I'm getting paid. Like, that don't seem right. I honestly thought they were going to try to do a sign and trade or something with him. It's just weird that he. I thought they would have also tried knew, to do something. Yeah, we trade. talked about it last week. He just opted out and then just left. Um, so I, th- I thought that was weird. But. There was a lot. There's a lot happening in the NBA right now. What um, what what's your takeaway with some of these free agency moves? Did you see Marcus Gasol? Um, I was gonna say the Lakers look to be the best team potentially. They retooled their front court, getting uh the sixth man of the year, Montrezl Harrell, and bagging up Marcus Gasol, and keeping Markeith Morris, um, and going out and getting uh, Wesley Matthews, like. Man, they seem to be in a good position. Um, Gorin is staying in Miami, which is good for Miami. Yeah. Uh, the Celtics are an interesting team. They've done a bunch of moves, as well as uh, Philadelphia, who did a lot of moves on trade on trade day, on um, draft day, getting out of um, the Al Horford contract. Um, did they? I don't think they moved to buy his hairs. I don't believe no, so. No, they haven't. But, um, yeah, I was about to say, freeing up some cap, getting some more pieces that 
fit around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So they're always an interesting bunch now that they got Daryl Morey, who is not allergic to making moves in a heartbeat. Um, that'll be interesting. They went and got Seth Curry, who has a better f- three-point field goal percentage than his brother, actually. Um, and now he'll be playing for his father-in-law, which is very fun. Because um, Doc continues to get players that he knows. Um, that's kind of his jab. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I don't understand what the Knicks are doing ever, but, I mean, that's just a thing you could say in perpetuity. They keep loading their front court. Um, they want to get Austin Rivers. I don't know if they plan on him playing a lot of minutes at point guard or shooting guard. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'm still interested to see if the other shoe will fall in Houston. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's, I kind of want to see what's happening there because I honestly think they're going to be like, nope, you guys are under contract. You're playing. Um, I, I really yeah. think they're going to say that because no one wants to take on those contracts. Yeah, uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to get anybody that wants to take either of those big deals. I wanted to throw this out there. I was kind of shocked that the Portland Trailblazers didn't do very much. Um, keeping Carmelo, but I mean, I love Carmelo. You know, he's part of that uh, Banana Boat crew, but like, what does that, what does that <laughs> get you? I, I think they're going to be stuck in this, you know. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs. Um, yeah, they'll make some noise in the playoffs, but they're not. they're not a title contention team. They did trade for Robert Covenant, um, who gives them flexibility in the front court. And I think they're banking on Nurkic coming back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Um, after his injury, where he didn't play most of last season, but came back uh, due to the bubble circumstances. Um, him coming back, as well as the development of Anthony Simmons, I believe, yeah. is the young man they got. Um so I think they're banking on internal development, which they've always done. They've never been a hotbed for free agency. Um, there's a lot of teams like that, um, Boston being one of them. So that's why it was so stunning when they ended up getting Hayward, uh, Al Horford, and Kyrie. But they weren't able to do anything with that, nope. and they best at working internally. And Kemba. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm interested to see that. Um, some of the best moves, probably Milwaukee just, I I don't know what happened (laughs) to the Bogdanovich signing trade or whatever. Yeah, that that was was. weird. But, um, he's not going there, but they've added a ton of pieces to go around Giannis. Um, you would tell how enthused I am. I haven't stopped talking yet. Hmm. Um, I'm a little upset with the Nuggets. They didn't do many moves. They re-signed. Paul Millsap, who I thought they'd go away from. They let Jeremy Grant um, go away, which I thought he was a really big piece for us last year. But I was kind of uh, I was kind of resigned to the fact that he was going to try to go and get a big deal somewhere um, because you, you never you always want to go get yours, especially if you end up being one of those middling guys for a long time, and then you have a season where. You can go get yours. It's like, yeah, go get yours, man. I'm never going to be mad at somebody going game paid. Um, But, yeah, I wish we would have done a couple more things. We got RJ Hampton in the draft. Um, That was somebody you mentioned last week. And uh, I was wrong. He wasn't the kid that got the internship with Puma and New Balance. He was the other kid alongside LaMelo Ball that went to Australia. 
but I th- I think he got hurt or something because he never. I don't think he finished the season. Again, I could be wrong for the second week in a row on RJ Hampton. Um, but yeah, no, we 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 decided to go through the draft and continue development as we've been doing because we have one of the best uh, development developmental teams. Um, look at Murray. Look at Jokic. Look at Michael Porter Jr. Um, Bowl Bowl, who's eventually going to see more playing time. So we're still building through the draft. And, um, yeah, the Lakers are going to win it next year. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's starting to look like. Yeah, all this to say the Lakers are going to win it next year, guys. Lakers are the Bucks. <laughs> Nuggets, 2022. Let's do it. <laughs> Whenever LeBron retires, let's do it. By the way, Anthony Davis still hasn't resigned. Yep. He opted out because he had an opt out, so he can get max money. But he hasn't—he uh, hasn't resigned yet. In the words of uh, um, the great Matt Fulcheron, a very funny comedian, the full charge. He just got—he wants to get paid about this bitch. <laughs> um, and huge shout out to De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum—a couple young guys that uh, got their max deals yep. up front. So, pay that man. Go get yours. All right, that is enough of me babbling. It's time for. You'll be surprised how quick and quick Damon hits. Quick hit. Time for the quick hits, Brennan. I pose this question to you. Now that Joe Burrow suffered a gruesome leg injury yesterday, tearing his ACL, MCL, and other uh, structural issues to his knees, knee, one knee. Um, yeah, just one. All that think? in one knee. That's all that in one knee. Insane. Um, I know a couple quarterbacks who've dealt with that and come back fairly okay. One of them happens to be my quarterback, which is very upsetting because he's no longer okay. That was um, just uh, that was just an MCL, though, wasn't it? No, nah, he tore like ACL, MCL, LCL. Oh, okay. he, he fucked up his whole knee. Um, and then you had uh, Carlson Palmer, who's did it in the playoff game and kind of was never the same for Cincinnati. Uh, so who do you think is going to be the rookie of the year? Well, uh, it was it was heartbreaking to see Joey Covers go down. Joe Burrow, his nickname is Joey Covers. Joe Covers. He covers all the time. Uh, but my rookie of the year has not changed. James Robinson, undrafted free agent <laughs> for you got my me. Jacksonville like, Jaguars. No, yeah, I think... Um, I think, uh, okay, so a couple of things. In all seriousness, Justin Herbert is probably the front runner because he plays quarterback, which is the position that always fucking gets it, and it's very upsetting. But Justin Jefferson has a very good case to be made in Minnesota. Like you said, it took him to about week five to come on, but now he's one of their leading rushers. Um, he's had four games with uh, 400 yard games already. Uh, he crushed in that Monday night football game. He's almost, he's on pace to have almost 1,300 yards this season. Justin Herbert, mm. the Chargers have to win. You're not going to be rookie of the year so as a quarterback a and not win. And I'm going to be a hypocrite and go completely back on that by saying, I think James Robinson for the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> is going to win. Jesus the reason I say that is because Justin Herbert is the quarterback. The quarterback has the most to do with the offense, touches the ball every play. And you're expected to win as a quarterback at least a few games to be rookie of the year. And James Robinson's case, it's not on him. He's just the running back. Uh, so I don't think it... If that make, does that make sense to you? I don't think the winning and the losing falls so much on his shoulders. 
because he plays yeah. running back. Um, I think I don't think it falls on squarely on the quarterback, but that's a different. Okay, no, that's uh, that's understandable. Game. I don't think it's Clyde. I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to win it. There's just too much power on that offense. Um, yeah. The dark horse I see coming out though is Chase Young, uh, the defensive end mm. for the Washington Football Team. I had uh, defensive rookie of the year. I actually had a lot of money on uh, our corner out of Florida. <laughs> But he can't stay on the field. So Chase Young. And he's out of Florida. Yeah. Never take a Florida kid in the first round. I've been telling the Jags that for years. But uh, I think James Robinson and Justin Herbert are my my two picks to probably take rookie of the year. What do you what are you thinking of? It was it was Joe Burrow. Everybody knows it was Joe Burrow. Yeah, it was Joe Burrow for me over Herbert. Um, I think it's two a tongue of a no. I was about to Um, lose it. Uh, I actually think it is Chase Claypool. Oh, okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who leads rookies in touchdowns, um, eight receiving. He has a couple rushing as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think he is having. He has two, so he has ten total touchdowns. Um, I think he's having one of the best rookie seasons uh, for a receiver in a while. Um, He's consistent as all get out. Ben trusts him. You know that team likes to throw the ball around. Yeah. Well, and I think um, having he's catching sixty percent of his targets. He has over uh, fourteen yards of reception, which is top ten in the league. I think having top Juju 10, on that team fly. actually helps him because I think Juju is the number one option. So he's the one who's going to get doubled, and I think that leaves Chase open Chase a lot up. of the time. Sorry, he's top ten in touchdowns uh, with his eight. Um, but yeah, that's that's always the uh, question. Sur- I think the only thing issue is uh, he has too many fumbles. Um, the, that's always the issue surrounding the Steelers' offense because when you had Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown came into prominence, it was Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Mike Wallace I was about is to getting say what? doubled. <laughs> I combined the two. Mike Wallace is getting doubled, which is leaving Antonio open. Then Antonio became a stud, even when he was getting doubled, and now he's just a horrible person. And then uh, when Juju came to prominence, it was, well, Antonio's getting doubled, so yeah, Juju's going to get some. And then when Juju became the only one there, he really ain't do nothing. But now that he's quote-unquote getting doubled, Case Claypool emerged. they have so many better receivers than the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they yeah, always seem to just find came down receivers down. on trees. <laughs> but yeah, if just not, I mean, bring- it's going to go to a quarterback. It's going to go to Justin Herbert, which sucks. Yeah, and I think I just, well, real quick, one more thing I want to throw in there. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no I said what I said. I was it was a sneak. Dish. James Robinson, 170, uh, 172 carries, one fumble, lost. All right, Brennan, you had a question. <laughs> I did. Um, we I I referenced it earlier with um pull up the tweet scaling. What happened? I said pull up the tweet. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> thought I was having technical issues. Never mind. Anyway, I brought it up earlier with Scanling. Uh apparently he had tweeted out that uh he was receiving death threats from uh Packers fans after the the drop, the fumble, that whole situation. Um, I wanted to get your take on this because I think that's disgusting. Like I get pissed off and I'll tweet stuff from the show's Twitter handle about how I'm <laughs> disappointed or angry or can't watch this anymore. or I want to kill myself, stuff like that. 
But I would never think to reach out to a player. Don't um, say the last one. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Kill yourself, I would never think to reach. <laughs> I would never think to reach out to a player though, um, and threaten them. Because um, in the end of the day, it is just a game, and I, no one takes it crazier and more seriously than I do. But <clears throat> I just don't understand. Like, what, what? I wanted to get just your thoughts on this. Your your take on this. I think it's the most despicable, tasteless ridiculous thing you can do um and i think it's magnified now because of social media i'm pretty sure people uh, wrote letters or just sweared people up and down in their houses before but now you can go right to social media and everybody has a mentions um the same thing happened to uh danny green when he missed the game potential game winner in game five of a series they were already leading and he said that he was receiving death threats. If you're, if you're tying that much of your identity and your happiness to what these players are doing, go get a life. Um, you should not, I, I, I don't understand sending anybody a death threat, let alone a person on a team. You say you like, you would not want that person to die. You'd want that person to get better. Yeah, I think despicable. I like that word that you use. It's very, very despicable. It's, it's, people are fucking crazy. People are idiots. Speaking of idiots, Brendan, did you hear what Dabo said this weekend? I did not. I saw you put this in here. What, what did he say? Ooh. Let me give you a little backstory. So, Clemson was supposed to play FSU. This Saturday, Saturday, this game got canceled, which is rare for a lot of these cancellations. It usually takes place a couple days ahead of time. So what came out was that a player on the offensive line of Clemson had been demonstrating symptoms all week long, but he kept testing negative. Now, we've talked about this. There's an incubation period. It takes a while for the negative to be a positive. That's why you test. That's why you quarantine the person. Nope. Every day he practiced. Are you flies serious? On the team fly- Every day he practices, he flies with the team on the flight to go to Florida, in Tallahassee. Finally, he tests positive. FSU administration cancels the game. And then Dabo comes out and says that they're scared. This is not because of COVID. This is because they don't want to play us. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, That's Dabo Sweeney, ladies and gentlemen. Product to Alabama. There you go. Roll Tide. Yeah, I really just wanted to highlight how much of a fucking idiot he can be sometimes. Um, he seems yeah, like I mean, the nicest I, I get, guy I get in the it. world, but god damn it. I get why he says that, you know, he's got to keep his guys riled up and, you know, he's got to keep the fan base, you know. Yeah, they are scared. I mean, I understand the politics of saying it, but in the climate we're in today with everything that's going on, I mean, it's a virus. These kids aren't getting paid, and now that whole team's probably infected. It's going to really mess with a lot of those the future of a lot of those kids, both 
with their futures in the NFL and being able to play moving forward and their health, like just their overall health. So <laughs> when it comes to the coronavirus, I, I really annoyed. think coaches. I was just annoyed that mm-hmm. he was suggesting that FSU was not canceling the game due to COVID because, you know, you had somebody practice all week with COVID against your first team, against your second team, on the planes with your coaching staff. Your quarterback just had this. How do you not – where is the sympathy? Well, it's not <laughs> only that, but take some responsibility. You're the head coach. You've made this mistake. Where's the now own up to it. Yeah, own up to it. Jesus, God, that's man. insane. You know what? It's Let's get off this. House. That is okay. Okay. Um, Brennan. Okay. Yes. I'll let you take the floor first. Because you have to finish yours or because I'm supposed to go first? No, mine is done. Don't, don't, don't. Mine is done, sir. I'm kidding. You went went first first last week, so I'm going to go this week. Yeah, exactly. Um, as everyone knows, the walk-off is going to be uh, how we sum up the show, our, our last bit on the show. Um, uh, it is uninterrupted. So, Joe, shut up! What? We will talk about something sports-related or something in our lives. Um, this week, mine is, how would you do it? Homegrown versus free agency. The right way to build a team in any professional sport has always been up for debate. If there was just one right way, that is what every team would do. The problem with that is the fact that there are so many different ways to build a team. And we as fans always think our idea is the right one and that our GMs are morons. Whether it is through the draft, excuse me, whether it's through draft picks and homegrown talent or hoarding assets and or cap space to move on big free agents, which way is the better way? Furthermore, once you decide on a way to do things, how do you proceed moving forward with that philosophy? Now, every sport is different. So for this walk off, I will once again focus on the NFL since I know football best. I will be honest. My belief to build a team is to invest all your resources in scouting and fundamentals and go the route of drafting players to fit your scheme. This way can get you got, excuse me, this way can get guys on rookie deals that have a connection to you and your city because you drafted them. And if they weren't the number one pick, then you took them when other teams passed on them. Not only that, but rookie deals are cheaper than veteran deals, and it gives you the opportunity to mold the players any way you see fit. This philosophy has its pros and cons. Obviously, some of the downsides are no matter how much scouting and preparation a team does, the player might fold. Do you take team need or best player available, etc.? These are valid points. The major pro for this model, however, is that if it doesn't work out, you're not overly invested in long term in the player. You can always cut them or just move on and not resign them. To the second point, who should you take? I am a firm believer in taking the best player available, but even this topic is fluid. I think all teams should be built from the trenches before any other position, the nine players that make up the offensive and defensive lines. However, some people value a cover corner or a star wide receiver, excuse me, a star wide receiver over offensive linemen and defensive pass rushers. So who really is the best player available? In my opinion, if there's a top tier lineman still on the board, that's who you take. Until you are comfortable enough with the uh, line play to move on from it. 
to different positions. My logic for this is simple. Other than the quarterback, which is a separate walk-off entirely, I'm still doing research for that, skill positions are, as I have stated several times in the past, separated by mere tenths of a second. We have seen this season with all the injuries to skill position players that you can find other guys to plug and play in those positions, but it's much more difficult to fill the void when it comes to the line. Just reference the Ravens, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and any other team who's lost star offensive linemen that are now suffering for it. Now I know some people are screaming at their headphones or car stereos right now that I am a moron, and I admit I can be a moron from time to time. But I firmly believe in drafting players to build the core of your team and focusing on the line play above everything else. The other philosophy is one of a higher turnover rate, the free agency acquisition or trading for known commodities. It is more common in the NBA, but we do see in the NFL. This season, the Rams would be a good example. Their team has some homegrown players, but the majority of their starters on the roster were once somewhere else and drafted by other teams. While the pros are obvious, you know who what you're getting. The con is more painful long-term. Veteran players are more expensive, be it the draft capital you had to move to get them or the larger contracts you take on when they arrive. If you do not win within this window, you hamstring your team's cap in, in the long-term. The Rams mortgaged their future to win now. They traded away plenty of early draft picks, and gave out big contracts to the point if they don't win this year or next year, it will be for nothing, and they do not have the ability to rebuild quickly with little early round picks and no cap space moving forward. But on paper, they are one of the best teams in the NFL currently. There are many different philosophies to building a team, and no matter how you think it should be done, we all think we're right. If you do not believe me, just ask anyone who has done franchise mode on Madden. The point is, there is no one set philosophy, and it is a fluid concept that is forever changing. And that is my walk off of homegrown versus free agency. Dalvin Cook one fifteen, Nick Chubb one fourteen on the ground. Um, plug and play. James Robinson undrafted going to win Rookie of the Year for a running back. Definitely not going to win rookie. I'll bet. I'll um, bet you right now, ladies and gentlemen, on paper, put I'll it put down. Money on it right now. He's not twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Twenty bucks. He will not win. You take the field. Year. I'll take you James go Robinson. Ahead and send it to me now. You can send it to me now. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Joe. You're welcome. All right. Shut up. Go ahead and shut up. All right. My walk off this week is titled "Representation Matters." Not the, the one of the clunkier titles I've ever had. Um. Uh, by the way, I love Brennan pre teasing a future walk off in the middle of his walk off. He is the best walk off promoter ever. Okay, going off the heels of the King Egg hiring, I took notice of a few things that Miami has one of the most diverse collection of people in charge of their teams. The Miami Dolphins GM is Chris Greer. He's a black man. He's one of two black men that are current that currently hold this position in the NFL. This is important because they hired Brian Flores, a black man with his Honduran ancestry. I think of this one. I, I think this one in particular is interesting because the Dolphins had a chance to hire a black coach back in 2007. Their GM at the time was Randy Mueller. He interviewed Mike Tomlin. But as one of his employees later stated, they considered Tomlin, quote unquote, too hip hop. 
me and Brennan have discussed code speak on here before with, you know, when white players are called coaches sons or sneaky fast to hip hop is just as say, just a way to say that this man was black and they weren't comfortable with that. The Miami Heat have a large following in the Philippines and Slovenia. This is because of the coach Eric Spolster and his Filipino heritage and point guard Goran Dragic, who is from Slovenia. If you watch a Heat game, you'll see flags from both these teams on display. And don't let the Heat play Luka Doncic and the Mavs because Goran and Luka would have to spend well spend time well after the buzzard and pose with fans and make their presence that made their presence felt throughout the game, you know, when fans could go to games. Derek Jeter is a black CEO in Major League Baseball. Trust me, there aren't many of those. Yeah, and there aren't many black people on the field as well. But minorities hire minorities hires what? But minorities hires usually come but minority hires usually come from those who are minorities themselves. Got it. So I am hiring the female, the first female GM in the sport. Shouldn't be a surprise. Manny Diaz is the coach of the university of Miami football team. The Florida Panthers have Brett Peterson as their first G, as their assistant GM. Who's a black man, Jim Laranaga head coach of the Miami basketball team. It's from Cuban descent, as well as Manny Diaz is from Cuban descent as well. Uh, this city and this region prides itself on its diverse makeup and is reflected on the field of play and in its top executive levels. That is my walk-off. Okay, I, I, just one question. <laughs> Derek Jeter's black? Derek Jeter is black. Okay. Did you really not know? No, this? I thought he. I honestly thought he was uh, South American. Black dad, white mom. Okay, did not know that. No, I yeah. had no idea. I honestly thought he played baseball. I just thought he was a Latino descent. Wow. Um, wow. Other other thing wanted to point out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> just something we I noticed. That, folks. You said uh, what? He played baseball. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, we heard that too, folks. <laughs> uh, Marcus clipped that. Uh, <laughs> when you what did you it's you baseball. said they interviewed Mike Tomlin and they said he was too hip hop too hip hop 2007 I think you said that hip-hop. just meant he was black I what I what I get from that is that my man too black <laughs> and I was coming with the dad jokes uh, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah God, he, Mike, Mike Tomlin, Tomlin would have then been awesome down there Mike Tomlin then goes on to be hired by the Steelers and then two years later wins the Super Bowl two years later the Dolphins I believe are one in 15 yeah well so, they also had that uh, in the night. yeah they had that uh, GM that what did he he asked Des Bryant if his mom was a prostitute remember that yeah, I don't know if that was Mueller or Tannenbaum. That was Tannenbaum. Yeah, that was Tannenbaum. Yeah, okay, yeah. Never, no, it was Ireland who was a Jeff yeah. Ireland. Yeah, I'll never forget that name. I don't want to throw Tannenbaum on the bus. He's actually, yeah, but yeah, that was Ireland. Um, but yeah, that's that was actually really cool. I didn't realize, um, I mean, I know playing football and so you know, I don't know that Jeter was black. I, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't I don't know if you know this or not, Joe, but I played football in South Florida. Um Ooh. I didn't I I you know, you see the diversity all around you all the time, but I didn't realize that it, it translated into professional sports. So that was really interesting. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, it, it was what I wanted to work on last week, but uh I felt the Sarah Spain 
column was a little more poignant yeah. on the Kim Aang discussion. So, folks, I know you're happy for this part. Or not. Maybe you're not enjoying your Thanksgiving. But it is time for... And we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. It's time for the press conference. This is where we do our plugs, and I'm going to blindside Brennan, and he doesn't even know it. Oh, I'm going first. Okay. Uh, yes. Do you like what I did there, though? After the walk-offs, I didn't start talking. I got myself in enough trouble beforehand, so I didn't start talking and cut <laughs> off the press conference. Drop. Um, Good job. My name is Brennan Tassif. I am a stand-up comedian um, out of Jacksonville, Florida. You can check out my website, Brennan T. Comedy. Uh, for I've got a bunch of upcoming dates, had no shows for December and January until yesterday. I booked about six shows in the last couple of days. So bunch of stuff coming up. Check out the website. I have shows in North Carolina, Georgia and Florida coming up. Um, also, I will be on the West Coast. Where in Georgia? Uh, uh, Richmond Hills. It's south of you. It's like right outside Savannah. You want to make a drive up here? Do you want to make a drive to Richmond Hill? No. Oh, yeah, I don't want to come to Atlanta. Uh, All right. It's then. like, literally, it's two hours from my house. So it's still another four hours uh, to Atlanta. Okay. Not terrible. Um, Not terrible. No, yeah. So I've got that show. I've got a show on the West Coast uh, of Florida, uh, right outside of Pensacola, or Pensacola, right outside of, uh, It's I think it's in St. Petersburg, Florida. Anyway. Check out my website, Brennan T Comedy, for all those dates coming up. Check out my other podcast, Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Uh, you can catch Joe Dorvel. He did an episode about two weeks ago on there. Uh, we just talk, I'm sober now, but we talk about a lot of drinking stories and getting into trouble, stuff like that. And follow me on all social media at Brennan T Comedy. Go ahead, Joe. What day is that Rich Hill date? Uh, December 12th. December 17th. It's a Thursday. Day- Thursday? Yeah. No, that's my one day. That off. is your I'm one day off. Oh, shit. Rich Hill. I might make a drive down to Rich Hill. Let's Richmond see. Richmond Hill, Let's baby. See what their COVID numbers are. Let's see what their COVID numbers are. Um, so you can follow me on all social media at Joe Dorville, Twitter and Instagram. You can follow this show at Hearing Press on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is where you'll see the artwork because I prefer it to be alone by itself on Instagram because it looks a little cooler. It does. Um. With Thanksgiving being this week, I'd like to thank my co-hosts for embarking on this journey Aww, with me. I didn't know you were going to uh, do this. <laughs> that's what I meant when I said blindside you, buddy. Um, yeah, uh, I love talking sports. I've always wanted to do a sports podcast. And uh, Brennan peppered me until I caved. Uh, this whole network was my idea, some... and I stand by that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this has been fun. Uh I love doing this. I love chit-chatting with my guy here. And uh, maybe we'll see each other at Richmond Hill. I need to see what their demographic of that city looks like. <laughs> but <laughs> this has been the show. Brennan, take us out. This is why we play the game. Hello. Hello. Huge shout-out to Coda Allen, my outside linebacker from Jacksonville. Came into the restaurant. Super cool, dude. Thank you for listening to a new low podcast network. We've got four fun podcasts on our current roster for you. Every other Monday, you can enjoy the Misbehavior Journal Club, a podcast highlighting exciting developments in the neuroscience community hosted by Amiel Moreno and Leah Krebit. Get some in-depth analysis of all things sports with cheers from the press box, dropping two episodes a week, co-hosted by comic Brennan Tassif and hip hop artist Joe Doro. 
Catch me, Kyle Loder, with my right-hand man, Joe Dorville, every Wednesday as we discuss a different song from the Hamilton musical soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast. Last, but certainly not least, is our network's flagship podcast, A New Low, which drops every Friday. A New Low highlights a wide variety of current events that both disappoint and encourage our five diverse co-hosts, who are Farzad, Headphone Joe, No O No E Dorville, Scott by Scott, L. Greg, and me, Kyle. Every episode of all these podcasts and all of our social media details and links can be found at anewlow.co. That's anewlow.co. All our shows can also be found everywhere podcasts are available. Like and subscribe is the name of the game. Thanks again for all your support.